before we jump into the sermon. And, um, and in my prayer, I'm going to mention all the essential workers. We've done it every single week, especially those in the medical field, just giving your life and, and just sacrificing. Scripture says there's no greater love than those who put their life on the line uh, for others. And so thank you. Thank you so much for all of you uh, that are standing on that front line. So let's pray. And I uh, can't wait to pray for you as well. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that today you're going to speak to us. You're going to encourage us. You're going to motivate us. God, I know that this word, um, it comes from you because it comes from your holy word. And so, Lord, I pray that you help me um, preach this in a way that um, builds one another up, that encourages, that glorifies you. Lord, we also want to lift up all the essential workers and those, Lord, in the medical teams that are out there just continuing to battle this virus. Lord, I thank you that you're giving them strength. Lord, I thank you that you're giving them peace. Uh, Lord, I thank you that when they feel weary, you give them hope and you give them encouragement. And Lord, all of the professionals that are trying to discover the best way to go about this, Lord, I thank you. You're giving them wisdom and discernment. And Lord, I thank you. You're even giving them the answers even now in Jesus name. Amen. So the title of the message this morning is, are you for real? Are you for real? And um, just been kind of observing how we're all handling this, even looking at my own life about, okay, we're being tested. You know, we're all going through changes. Um, much of our world is just kind of been flipped, all the things that we know. And so the question is, in this test, in this trial, I won't use the word persecution because our persecution that we're going through is not even close to what real Christians are. Uh, I shouldn't say real Christians. What other Christians are facing in other parts of the country, we still have great Great luxuries. We still have freedom to worship. And so don't want to use the word persecution, but we are being tested. We are um, walking through a trial and it's, and it's poking on us in all different kinds of places of our life. And so as I've been observing it from my life and others' lives, uh, the one thing that I've been noticing is like, this is a time where we are really being looked at like, Hey, are you for real? Is this Christianity thing for real? Is this idea that, hey, we, the church, the body of Christ is the hope of the world. Are we really living that out? Are we really displaying that when the scripture says uh, that we're the salt of the earth or that as Christians, we're we're a city on a hill. We're a light that can't be hidden. Uh, is that what our community is saying about us when when our neighbors are looking around and the interactions that we're having on social media and all the different things? Are, are, are we for real? And I would say it, and you would probably agree, one of the biggest frustrations in life is when you think something's going to be a certain way because someone told you it or because you read about it or the review about it was that it was going to be this. And then when you experienced it, it was actually this. And it was a major disappointment, right? Like, don't we hate to be let down by something that says it's something and it's actually not? It's one of my biggest frustrations in life. You could call it a pet peeve of when, when something is either hypocritical or it's a poser or it's a fake, it's a fraud. It just drives me crazy. Sometimes we see it. Uh, maybe you've hired a contractor and they said, oh yeah, I could build it to be like this. And we have that kind of experience and we could certainly do that kind of job. And then it doesn't come out anywhere near it at all. Uh, maybe for you, you've um, in your life, it's a mechanic. You know, you bring, you know, you know, to a professional mechanic and you say, oh, I want this work done and I want this checked out. And then when you get the work back, you look at it and you're like, they didn't even look at this and they didn't even fix that right. And you're so frustrated because they weren't for real. They were fakers. They were posers. And so you get frustrated. I know like, like you and me, one of the worst ways to experience the letdown of something not being what it should be is when you go to order food. 
Maybe you're at your favorite restaurant. Maybe somebody hyped up a restaurant and you can't wait for something to live up to the hype and you get the meal and it's not as good and it's disappointing and it didn't live up to the hype. And now you just start, oh, I've wasted my cheat calories. How many are with me? You calorie counters. And so you just, oh, the disappointment of it. And here's my wonder. I wonder if through all of this, the world is looking at Christians and going, I've heard that God in the body of Christ, I've heard that, that the Jesus, the movement of Jesus, I've heard it's the hope of the world. And they've taken a look at it and they're going, is it for real? And I hope that we're not servicing them a major disappointment by the way that we're walking through this pandemic. I hope the words that we're speaking and, and uh, is words of hope and inspiration and they're faith filled. And we're speaking prophetically over the promises that God promises in this time. Instead of joining in on the negativity and the fear mongering and the doubt and the backbiting and the, are you with me? I hope that when the world is looking in, they're saying, man, this thing is for real. They are living up to what they are preaching about and sharing about on Facebook. I hope they are for real. So I want to have a little bit of a conversation with you and me, and I've had it with myself and I've had it with God this week, this conversation about, are we the real deal? Because there's this word in Christianity, there's this word really throughout the world, but used a lot in Christianity. And it's this word hypocrite or hypocrisy, which is to say you're one thing and actually not be it. Now, I know you didn't tune in this morning to get a word about a challenge about, are you a hypocrite today? And here's the truth about it. The truth is this. Uh, we as pastors and churches, it's important for us to talk about the real things, the true things all the time. You know, it's like raising your kids. Okay. It's like, if you never wanted to say the hard things to your kids, how would they turn out? They would turn out terrible. They would be no good to society. They would be brats. There's times where we have to say the hard things and talk about the real things. So that's why this church will never be a church where we just say all the nice things and we put all the candy on everything and we never talk about real truths. No, we got to talk about real truths because it makes us into the real people, the authentic people that can stand in times like these. So the next several minutes we're going to talk about, and, and, and I hope you stick with us as we kind of challenge each other on are we for real? Because here's the truth. You've probably seen this on social media at this time that we're standing in that maybe you're sitting in, in your living room, whatever it is at this time, you've maybe, maybe heard this before. A scared world is looking for a fearless church. It's looking for somebody that we can turn to, that they can say, where can I find hope? Where can I find peace? Where can I find security in this time? And if we aren't for real, then we can't be that fearless, faith-filled people that we need to be that the world is looking for. And so we got to get it right. We got to be real. We have to have depth to who we are as Christians in order to be the light that God has called us to do. Uh, I've heard this statement many times. It's this, you don't know how strong the anchor until you've gone through the storm. And we're going through a storm in this thing. And it's testing how strong we are as anchors in God. How strong is our relationship with him? How, how, how trusting are we in the ways of God? Are we believing more in the promises of God in this season? Or are we believing more in the problems of the world? Are the problems of the world steering us and leading us and, and causing us to walk a certain way? Or is it the prophetic promises of God in this time that we're running and we're claiming to? Can I get an amen online? <laughs> so how strong is our anchor in God? You know this in your marriage. 
Many times in our marriage, our marriages, the quality of our marriage isn't determined until it's been challenged. You don't know how strong your marriage is when all you're doing is first just going to the movies and then you have your honeymoon. No, it's when things get real. It's when you buy your first home. It's when you have kids. It's when you're dealing with all the pressures. of being. It's, it's when you find out how strong the anchor in your marriage really is. It's through testing. It's through walking of seasons of, of, of real testing. And I believe that's where we are as a church. That's where we are as people. We're in a test. And so we're going to talk truthfully about what it looks like to go through testing seasons. Uh, I believe it like this. We are in a refining season as Christians, as Christ followers. God is refining us. What's awesome about refining is he's removing impurities. You've heard it uh, said before, the process of of even gold and and they start heating things up and it and it causes the impurities as the heat and the pressure, even with diamonds and, and pearls, all of the pressure of refining removes the things that shouldn't be there to produce the most beautiful thing. That's what I believe is happening in the season is God is trying to refine and take away the things that that aren't good and aren't real and aren't true to leave us with what is true and what is pure and what is perfect. But it takes submission on our end. It takes for us to say, okay, God, I'm saying yes to this. I want to be real. I want to be true. I don't want to walk hypocritically. I want to be able to be what the world needs me to be in this season. So you're saying yes to God, do this in me. And again, I know this isn't, this isn't a, a, a real happy, clappy, you know, just get you super excited to win the day today. But I'm telling you, if we can do these things, the best will come out of our life. If we can let God uh, refine us and purify us. But it first starts with us submitting to him. The scripture says when we submit to God, we acknowledge him. He leads us in all of our ways. I'm paraphrasing, but it starts with submission and acknowledging that God is the one who's, who's leading us. I thought about it like this. Submission isn't submission until obedience is required. Submission actually isn't submission until obedience is required. Uh, We could say it like this. We all love the ideas of God. Like, oh, we love all the ideas of God. And he's going to bless us and prosper us and advance us. We love all the things of God. But then when the moments of submission come in, which then cause us to have to walk obediently, because again, remember, submission isn't submission until obedience is required. Then we're like, whoa, these ideas of God, whoa, they're requiring obedience of me. Oh, I don't like this. I'm going to do this instead. Here's the thing. You're not surrendered to something until submission and obedience is required. Say it again. You're not surrendered to something until submission and obedience is required. What you're actually doing is just getting along. You're both just walking in agreement. You're not yet walking in submission or obedience. You're just walking in agreement. I see it all the time in church leadership. You get people, they join a staff or they become a part of a team and they volunteer. And for a season, because they're just completely in agreement, they're walking together, they're happy, it's great. But then when the leader or the person in authority says, hey, here's what we're going to do. And it goes from walking in agreement to then walking in obedience because submission is required. People freak out and flake out and run off. And why? It's because for all along, they were just walking in agreement. But then when authority asked for submission and obedience, it became a whole nother issue. I hope that makes sense. And so we do the same thing to God. We say, oh, God, we're getting along. We love all your stuff. And then God's like, hey, I want to refine you. 
And so I'm going to need you to walk in obedience. I'm going to need you to walk in submission. And I hope we don't all go, ah, no. And we reject all of God's authority and what he's doing in our life. We need to submit. We need to let him refine us because it brings about the most perfect thing. It helps us be real and true and authentic. Um, I thought about it like this. Partial obedience. Hear this. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. God can't speak to us and call us and say, hey, I want you to do this. And we say, I'm good with most of that, but I still want to keep this to myself. Partial obedience is disobedience. We have to submit wholly so that God can refine us so that we can be true and authentic in who God has called us to be. Uh, I grew up. Um, I'm 37 years old. So I grew up with Tony Hawk, the pro skater. And so skating was like a big kind of season when I was like a teenager. And there was a word that came out of that uh, season. A lot of skaters would call each other posers. So kind of a fake, you know, like if you're a fake, you're a poser. And so you would, you know, posers fall into a lot of other categories, but it was a big skating term. And so for a while, my generation, we would talk about how a lot of, oh, they're such a poser. That's such a poser. And it was irritating. You, you know, it, posers were irritating because they weren't the real thing. It was fake and they pretended to be, but they weren't legit. And so this word poser was a real thing. And it made me think of this story that I heard that my youth pastor told me when I was a teenager. And it was about this guy named Mr. Peace. Mr. Peace was a notorious gangster uh, from uh, all of England. He ran, uh, but all the way from uh, the north of Liverpool to the south, um, nobody killed, robbed, destroyed more lives than this guy, Mr. Peace. Funny his name, Mr. Peace, right? But he was caught and sentenced to death. He was facing the electric chair. And so at this time, it's the time for his execution and they're walking him down the hall and he has his straight jacket on and he's going to the room. And uh, as most jailers do, they give him the opportunity, you know, for his last meal and the certain things that he wants. But they also provide for him a preacher. And so they say, hey, we're sending this person and he's going to give you this great opportunity of eternity and salvation with God and all of these things. And so sure enough, the preacher shows up with his Bible and Mr. Peace, the gangster is there who, again, and has never killed more people, robbed more people, destroyed more lives than this guy. So the preacher's here to, to win him before he faces eternity. And he's beginning to describe how heaven is so incredible. And Mr. Peace, you think you've uh, seen some things and accomplished some things, but you have no idea how incredible heaven is going to be. And there's the, the pearly gates there and they're three stories high and the streets are made of gold and the rivers are, are crystal clear and you can see, and it talks about the lion and the lamb, you know, they'll be together in heaven. And it talks about there'll be no more crying and no more death and no more pain. And so describing all this beauty, but then also he says to Mr. Peace, Hey, don't forget, uh, there's also a place called hell and this place called hell is miserable. And it says that there's gnashing of teeth. The scripture says that some will uh, just chew on their tongue. Uh, sorry. Good morning. Right. Just to ease the pain of the other torture that they're going through. You feel like you're constantly falling. Uh, it's a place of heat and burning. Uh, we see in scripture where Lazarus says that, uh, just, just one, uh, the wish from hell would be that just one person would just dip their finger in water and let you have just one drip of water because it's such a miserable miserable, horrible place. And so he's describing how terrible hell is. So Mr. Peace gets up from his electric chair with no straight jacket on and he grabs the preacher by the throat and he throws him up against the wall and says, do you really believe that preacher? Do you really believe that story of heaven and hell and eternity? Do you really believe that? 
And the preacher says, well, 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 sort of, I, I, I guess, kind of, I've, I've experienced some of it. I, I, I suppose so. And the preacher or in the gangster takes him by the throat and throws him on the ground and says, you're pathetic. You're pathetic. He says, from low north, from low, from the low parts of Liverpool to all of England, if the road was jagged bones, broken glass, and I was chained on my hands and feet upon my knees, I would crawl to save one person from that place called hell. If what you're saying is true. So Mr. Peace, he says, you're pathetic. He turns around, puts himself back into the electric chair and tells the guards to end his life. The story goes that the preacher himself was pretty much the one who caused his death that day because of the way he just said, I suppose so. Because here's what we know. And here's what Mr. Peace knew. Supposers are losers. If we go through this thing saying, well, maybe I've sort of, I've kind of experienced Supposers are losers. And so when all our depth is, is well, kind of, maybe if we feel like it, if the kids are kind of good, if everything's working, then I will stand for God in this time. No, supposers are losers. We need to know, we need to stand up in our righteousness with some backbone who God called us to be despite the circumstances. We need to know that we know, just like Mr. P said, I would crawl all across heaven and earth to be able to save one person. Why? Because you would know that you know that this thing is so legit. And so I just wonder in our lives, we talk about how we want to love people. Oh, I want to love people. My heart's to love people and love wins. But yet we gossip just as badly as those in the bar or those in the world. We're not legit. We supposedly love people. I thought about giving We say, oh, I just want to give my life to a good cause and see the world transformed in the community. But our schedules are so jam packed with selfish things. We allow no time to actually give ourselves to those who need prayer or need to hear us or need just somebody to talk to. So we talk about loving and giving, but yet we don't make room for it. Are we for real? I thought about we talk about humble. Oh, I just I'm a humble servant of the Lord. I'm just a humble servant of the Lord and whatever, you know, God's will. And we'll we'll just be God's will. But the moment we don't get what we want, all hell breaks loose and we throw fits. Oh, I just I'm walking in the Lord's way. I'm just a humble servant of the Lord. Well, I, I can't have that. And we cause world war because we didn't get what we want. I thought about purity. We say, oh, I believe in righteousness and purity. And and God only uses, you know, those whose hearts and hands are clean and pure. But the way we spend time and the shows we watch and the talk that comes out of our mouth and the way that we think towards one another is far from purity and righteousness. Now, just remember, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not saying we avoid all entertainment and you can't be, you know, involved in anything and you got to live. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying you become Christian who shelters in place and is not involved in anything at all. Right. But I'm saying our heart's desire should be God refine me, purify me, clean me because I want to be able to stand the time. I don't want to be a poser. I don't want to be a supposed so Christian. I want to be for real. And so we got to give ourselves to this. 
Oh God, I want to, I want to worship you and worship you alone. And so we, we, we think about worship, but like we don't make any time to ever consider the things of God and how he might use you and how we actually worship and surrender to him. Or I think about reaching people. God, I want to see this world saved unto the glory of your name. And yet we never take the time to even get to know our neighbor or get to know the person in our buildings and the people that come into the church and guest visit. And we don't take any time to reach out. Have you gotten to know your coworkers, the people that are around you? Are we really reaching people is what I'm trying to say. I thought about it like this. God, I want your will. God, I want your will. What's your will for my life? And God's like, I gave you my will. It's my word. It sits on your nightstand. And statistically, only 6% of Christians read their Bible on a frequent basis. 6% will read their Bible on a frequent basis, a regular basis. So we say, God, I want your will. I want your way. But only 6% are digging into his will and his way. Don't let us be fake. Don't let us be supposers. Supposers are losers. John chapter four, verse 23 says this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the father seeks. The father is seeking worshipers who worship in spirit, who are, are going after him, letting him lead us by his spirit. But then also in truth, meaning we're living this thing out. We're not a supposer. We're not a poser. We're for real in this thing because we have a world that's afraid, that's looking for a fearless church who can lead them in this. Verse 24 says this, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. We got to live this thing out. The truth is, what is the truth in the scripture? The truth is when you are what you say you are. When you are what you say you are, let us be those people who are what we say we are. Um, my mentor used to always say it to me like this. Your walk talks. Hear this. Your walk talks. Your walk tells the story and your talk walks. You can say all the right things and put up all the right Facebook stuff with all the right hashtags, but it's your walk that actually does the talking. So you can say everything right, know everything right, but eventually it's your talk that walks because your walk is what actually talks. We got to get our walk right. We got to be true. We got to be under authority. We got to be having coverings in our life so that when we're walking, we're walking like the scripture says in wise counsel. We're walking in, in, in true integrity and, and not just by our own, whatever we're feeling. And so our walk talks. Um, I'm so grateful for a book that came into my life at the beginning of the year is by Pastor John Bevere. It's called Undercover, and it talks about the power of having authority and having a good covering in your life, people that that you can go to. And, and so we're so grateful for the board that we have here as a church and mentors that I have in my life that that help steer me in a way that what that our walk is true. It has wise counsel. The scripture says there's safety that comes in wise counsel. So I'm encouraging you. How, how can you in your life consider this this true authority, this real covering that comes into your life so that we're leading with depth? Revelation chapter three, verse 15. Let's check it out on here. Uh, it says this. Book of Revelation 3.15 says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So the scripture right here is saying, you know, this is again, God speaking is like, look, I know you can't fake it to me. You can't, you can't be the poser to me. You can't fake it to me. I know. Next verse. 
And it says this. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. We've all probably heard this scripture before. Keep going. And it says, you say I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I think many of us maybe started in the top part of this verse before all this went down. I'm good. I got money. Look at me. I'm a good business person. Look at all this stuff that I've put together. And heaven's like, look, this all can change in a minute. You could find yourself blind, poor, naked. You could be without your stuff. Like this can, you don't realize how far you are away from not being put together. And so keep going. And it says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined. There's that word again, refined in the fire. By the way, this is talking about character, not real, real gold. So you can, you can become rich and white clothes to wear. And then it says, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Scripture is beginning to talk to us actually about salvation. It's like, look, you cannot depend on yourself. You're not for real. <laughs> like, like, you're not for real. I'm for real. Life in me is for real. And so choose salvation. Choose my ways. Clothe yourself in the things of me so that you can be for real. Keep going. And it says this, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. There it is again. Accept that submission, that correction. Accept the fact that, hey, you know what? I got to make some changes. I got, I got to let God mold me like we talked about last week. He, we're the clay. He's the potter. We got to let God shape us in this whole thing. And we have to repent. We got to be earnest in this. Guys, we're not just killing time in this process. We're being made better. So let's be earnest in being made better. Let's be earnest in our repentance so that God can make us better. Keep going. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on our doors right now, mostly because you're stuck behind your doors at home. But God is knocking. Do you get it? He's got something to say to you. He's got something to reveal to you. He's got something to show to you. So he's knocking. It says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, we got to hear Put down your Netflix for a second. You guys are losing your minds. Put it all down and just be a person who hears. Let's hear. Let's hear God. So if you hear his voice and, and open the door, it says, I will come in and eat with that person and they will eat with me. What the scripture is saying is like, look, if, if we can repent, if we can submit, if we can earnestly pursue him, it says God's going to meet us here. God is going to meet us right where we are. So like we said last week, don't let a waiting season be a wasted season. Let it be a season where God comes in and eats and, and is with us. Amen. Verse 21, it says this to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Last one, verse 22 says this, whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. We have an ability to hear something right now. This is a promise of God that if you give your ear to what God is saying right now, you can hear from him. You may be sitting there being like, I'm not a church person. I don't know what you're talking about. God can give you a sign. God can speak to you. God can make himself clear to you. Just pray and ask him even where you are right now. Just be like, God, I want to experience you through this whole thing. God, I want to get to know you. And the scripture promises that he's going to meet you where you're at. But it is a process that started with being real. You can't be cold 
or I'd rather you be cold or hot, but you can't be in the middle. You can't fake this thing. You can't, you can't do the thing. That's why none of you should be drinking diet soda. That's not a good version of soda. You got to drink the real thing. Get that diet soda out of there. You got to be the real thing. And so the, the scripture is saying in the beginning, you got to get it right. You got to be real and you got to pursue God and we got to be willing to be corrected and led and we got to be in submission. And then we got to, again, repentive. So that what? So that we can hear from him so that he can join us where we're at. There's another crazy story in Acts chapter 19. Many of you probably don't know it. It's not preached very often, um, but I like it because it gets a little violent and you are judging me. But if I rolled through some of your Netflix that you've been binging, you're watching all kinds of documentaries right now. So you're probably in for a good mob beat up story. So I got one for you. That's in the Bible. So feel good about this one. So Acts chapter 19, verse 11, it says this. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So all these signs and wonders are happening through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. So there's such an anointing would be the church word on Paul's life here that literally things that he's touching are also going out and healing people and driving out evil spirits. Next one. And it says this, some Jews who went around driving out the evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. Next one. It says they would say in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Go ahead with the next one. It says seven sons of Seva, a Jewish chief priest. So the seven sons of this Jewish chief, chief priest were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? You fakers, you posers, you over here playing, trying to pretend like you are in this thing for real, but you're not. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And then check out what happens. It says, the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I used to preach it this way when I would preach a sermon in the youth group. I would say this uh, when I would preach this passage. I would say, are you in line for a beatdown? Are you living such a fake lifestyle that the enemy is ready to give you a beatdown? And I wonder if that's even some of us right now. I wonder if we're faking this thing to such a degree. We've seen how other people are doing it. We've watched how they're doing it over there. So we're just starting to mimic what they're doing, but it's not real in us. And we're setting ourselves up for a beatdown. Are we for real in this? I would say it to you like this. The seven sons of Seva, they didn't believe in Christ. They were just drawn to the power. They wanted the benefits of a lifestyle of God. But they didn't acknowledge or submit or surrender to who he really was in their life. You could say it like this. They were learning the movements. They were essentially going through the motions and it left them beat down and bloody. I hope it's not said about our life that we're just coming to church and we're just reading blogs online and we're just learning all the movements of this thing. But it's not being real because we're not in submission. We're not surrendering. We're not walking in full obedience with God. And therefore, because we're just going through the motions, we're posers. We're setting ourselves up for a beatdown. This has got to be real. You can't fake this thing. We have a real devil. We have a real enemy. We have a real adversary that the scripture says is is looking for who he can devour. It's not a game. This isn't like a lifestyle decision, like like it's some kind of hobby. Well, I like to play tennis and I like to play Christian and I like to. No, 
This is life and death. This is a real deal. And so we can't just learn the motions and think it's going to work. No, you've got to get this figured out on the inside. Are you for real? So I got four points before we run out of here today. And it's this point. Number one, victory is not as simple as it looks on the outside. The victory that you've seen people walk in, they earned that. Uh, Can I get an amen today? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so the seven sons of seven, they're looking at the victory that Paul's walking in. They're like, that looks easy. You just do a handkerchief thing. You just do an apron thing. You just say a couple things. No, what they didn't understand about Paul is that as Paul has demons fleeing everywhere and he's seeing healing happen through Christ, what they didn't understand is you cannot have victory without warfare. We all want to come to church and know the catchphrases and reshare the cute little things on Facebook. But what we don't understand is that it takes warfare to gain victory. For us to have the things of God, we have to we have to get in the battles. Are you with me today? So the seven sons of Seva had no clue that anyone who's figured it out has figured out how to fight, not retreat. Not all of a sudden when pressure is on, like the virus, like the, the pandemic, all of a sudden when pressure is on, we start being negative, negative confessions, we're whining. Instead of building up our neighbors and building up our community and speaking with the promises prophetic of God, we start just talking negative. We just start, no, we got to understand that we got to fight. We got a battle here. They wanted a shortcut to something that Paul worked for his whole life. I love how Pastor Tommy Barnett says this. He says, our life as Christians is a fight from the womb to the tomb. You're in a battle. We, the scripture says that in heavenly places, good versus evil is happening. Now it's not, it's not a battle against flesh and blood each other, but it's a battle in wicked spiritual places. It's a fight from the womb to the tomb. And so we have got to learn how to be real so we can stand. Can I get another amen? God will allow you to go through something just to remind you that he can take you out of it. Oh, this battle, this thing. He's reminding us that he's always our deliverer. Why is this happening? Why are we going through this? Why is this? And and God doesn't cause it. But as he's allowing us to go through it, he's reminding us that he's our deliverer and he's our shield. But we have to be true and remain real in these times. I thought about it like this. Point number two is this. Greater numbers doesn't equal greater power. Just because you're seeing things stack up against you doesn't mean that it has greater power over you. Oh, but you don't understand we're falling behind here and I might not get my job back. And uh, in our home, our marriage, we've been fighting for this many months and this many things have been happening. I got all these things stacked up again. It'd be better if I just quit and retreated. No, scripture says there were seven sons of Seva trying to do what the one real thing was able to do. It just takes one real thing to show up. It just takes one encounter from God and it can destroy all the numbers that are stacked up against you. Can I get amen? So just because it's greater numbers doesn't mean it's greater power. If God is for you, the scripture says, who can be against you? Don't let the pressure of this situation hold you down. No, it just takes one encounter with God. One real authentic moment of surrender and repentance and submission. And then God can show up and greater is he that is that is in us than all this stuff that we're facing in the world. You say, yeah, but you don't understand my family history and you don't understand uh, addiction runs deep in my family or or we're not smart enough or we're not good enough or we always mess it up. It's like my family's cursed. Greater is he that can be in you 
than anything you faced in the world. Any addiction, any setback, any illness, God can show up in this moment and change everything. Point number three is this. One day, evil will answer the pretender. There will come the moment you can fake it to the pastor. You can fake it to the the Bible study group. You can fake it to whoever you want to fake it to. But there will come a day, just like for the seven sons of Seva, that evil will answer the pretenders. Verse 15 said it like this. One day the evil spirit answered them. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? I don't know you. You're a faker. And so I'm answering back to check. Are you for real? Is this for real or are you just faking this thing? Are you an Easter, Christmas? Come on. (laughs) I noticed a lot of you have been coming to church lately. I just I just noticed every Sunday. But are you for real? Because evil's going to it's going to it's you're going to be tested is what I'm trying to say. The enemy's going to try to make us run at you. And are you going to be for real? I think about it like The Rock. Any of you wrestling fans out there? So he's like, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know, but who in the Rudy Pooh are you? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But who are you? Come on, you got to put the rock on it here. Some of you think rock like started his career in Jumanji. No, you got to go old school, old school rock. That's the real rock. Some of you have no clue. And you know what? You're righteous, you're pure, you're, you're way ahead of us. <laughs> but the scripture is saying you're, you're going to have the time. Where you're called upon to, as I mentioned earlier, fight, stand, do this thing because the enemy's going to answer you. You can only fake it until you're one day. One day it will be put up or shut up. One day you're going to have to believe the things that you're singing about. Come in here. Oh, I believe God is working and we're singing all these things. And, and we sing, I'm no longer a slave until that addiction starts to come back up again. That's going to try to put you back into slavery. And you're going to have to stand on the things we're singing, praying, believing. We're going to have to be when, when it comes, we're, we're going to have to give the answer. Are you for real? Or are you a supposer? As Mr. Peace taught us, supposers are losers. We got to be real. You're going to have to live like a Christian when you don't feel like it. You're going to have to believe that when the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. That God is our answer and he's our rock and we can count on him. I thought about like this. We don't go to church because we're good people. We go to church because we realize that we're fighting a real devil and that enemy is going to try to present himself to us. The devil knows that only the strong will survive. And so I need to stay strong in worship, in word, in prayer, in generosity, in sowing into the kingdom, in all of the things that God has called me to. Why? Because this is a devil that we can't run from. We have an enemy that you can't just say, you know what? I'm going to choose pass. The devil shows up in our life. The enemy shows up. You know what, devil? Pass. Not today. No, no. You got to fight him. You got to fight him. He's going to present himself. And so what do we got to do? We got to be strong in all of the ways that we build ourselves up. We got to build ourselves up. Point four is this. The enemy is aware of your status. The enemy is aware of your status. I just alluded to this a minute ago. Um, You can fake it to the pastor. You can fake it to the small group thing. You can you can kind of get some other people fooled on it. But the enemy knows. You ever see it in like a nature documentary when the one thing is injured and the other predator animal comes in and knows that they're injured, knows that they're not at full strength, knows that they're not the real deal. What do they do? They go after that one. And so the enemy's going to know when you're faking it. The enemy's going to know when you've let yourself get weak and you've put your guard down and you've neglected taking care of the things that you need to take care of spiritually in your life. And so the enemy's going to show up. 
Because just like you did here, the enemy is aware of your status. Jesus, I know. I know that status. Jesus, I know. Even Paul, I know. I know that status. But you, I don't know your status. I don't see you on that radar of people that we should be avoiding. I actually see you on the radar of you're somebody I can go after. We need to show up on the radar. Hear this. If you hear anything out of all of this, hear this. You need to show up on the radar where the enemy is trying to present us. Ah, let's not go after them. Let's not go after them right now because they've been reading their word with hunger. They've been pursuing God with passion. They, they, they live to worship. Don't go after that family. That family's built up. They've put on their armor of God. They've put on all that they need to be protected. They're praying with their kids. Funny story about my kids right now. My daughter, uh, and, and I'm, this is a preacher confession. This is just, this is just humor because I've been giving you a, a heavy sermon. <laughs> my daughter loves to stay up. She gets it from me. So she'll stay up all night long. No joke. I should record it for you one night. Put it on Facebook. When it's prayer time at night, she doesn't stop. She literally doesn't stop just to stay up. Your pastor is saying to his daughter at night, honey, enough prayer. We're done. <laughs> We're done here. Stop praying. Like literally, if you were on the outside of the window, you would hear me, the pastor, being like, Caroline, if you keep praying, <laughs> it's just my life. And she's doing it to stay up, but she's the best. So pray with your kids, but just put a time limit on it. Just don't let them, don't let them do it too long. But the enemy's going to show up and he's going to be like, hey, we don't want to mess with them. They're praying with their family. They're fasting, they're worshiping, they're giving, they're praying for others. They love their community. This is a people, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know. Oh my gosh, this family over here, I know them too. We, we don't want to go after them. And there's that hedge of protection like Job had where, where God is covering us. That's why the Bible says, all those who rise up against me shall what? Fall, fall because we're real. We're, we're rooted, we're true, we're strong in him. And so our enemies will fall. We got to be real instead of being people who are joining in on all the fear and the negativity and the doubt and the discord. And we're playing all the games. No, we're going to be a people that are saying, no, the prophetic promises of God's life that he of our life that God put in scripture. Those are true. And I'm clinging to those and they're real. And I'm going to show the world that they're real. Are you with me? So that's my encouragement for you is what does it look like for you to to strengthen yourself in the Lord to say, OK, I, I'm not a supposer. I don't want to fake this thing. I want it to be real and true. Now, listen, I'm not talking about perfection. Don't be like, oh, preacher saying I got to be perfect and the enemy's going to get me if I'm not perfect. That is not this message at all. The message is our hearts cry is to be true and authentic and to be refined so that we can be all that God has made us to be. Amen. So don't take the pressure of the pastors calling you to be perfect today. No, what I'm saying is we got to be real. We got to live this thing. It's got to be authentic because the world is looking at us saying, I want what's real. I want what's true. Amen. Let me pray for you. And then we got a couple of announcements before we take off. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for who you are and for how you love us. God, we want to be the people refined, Lord, so that all the beauty and perfection that you're doing uh, in us, Lord, we want that to shine out for your glory. Lord, I pray that whatever areas are holding us back or that we may be uncertain in, God, I pray that you strengthen us. Lord, we know that you can do it. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Awesome. Hey, a few things before you take off. I want to let you know about so, so thankful for, uh, again, your donations to hand to hand. We continue to pack and um, just meet the needs in our community. And so I want to let you know that that's still functioning. And um, 
You can give uh, donations online. If you just want to do it digitally, you can go ahead and do that right off the website. Um, but uh, just stay connected with our vertical outreach page. I uh, would love to have you, you know, just knowing what's up with the outreach center. And um, thank you again for that. And then also our kids page. If you haven't checked it out yet, vertical kids, uh, you can worship with your kids. All of our teachings and kids uh, uh, curriculum and things like that are all going out. And so they're not going to miss a lesson or miss any time in this season. So check it out. Also a Pinterest page. And so you can follow along with some ideas. Our kids team's been doing a great job um, just giving you things to do with your kids. And so pay attention to that. And then also giving. Uh, just thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, we're able to just continue to minister. Um, Easter was our highest watch service ever. And then last week you broke even that. And so we went even bigger last week. And so your shares are doing awesome, but your generosity is, is uh, giving us the ability to be able to buy the equipment and do all the things that we got to do to, to make the switch to online experience. So thank you for your generosity. You can mail your donation to the church or you can give right online, verticalstory.com. But thank you so much for your generosity. And then lastly, uh, prayer. We have just an awesome, awesome opportunity uh, to pray really with the entire world. Radiant Network is hosting worship and prayer at 8 a.m. Monday through Friday. If you haven't checked it out yet, I encourage you to do it. Uh, but again, they're going into all the world with this prayer. So you're, you're literally praying around the world uh, when you join in on that. Such great worship and encouragement. We're so grateful for that. So you'll see that on our Facebook page every single Monday through Friday. We push that out and encourage you to be a part of that. But thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Look forward to connecting with you some more. All sorts of great stuff going out all throughout the week. So stay up with Facebook and, um, and social media. We would love to connect with you. Much love. See you soon.